0: It's such a great thing to worship with these young people, Lord. I hope everyone here realizes how important moments like this are. I'm sure every parent in this room will not forget this day. It is powerful to see youth up here worshiping you. And Lord, it's been a blessing to serve with these young men and women, Lord, over the last three months. And I just pray the rest of this day, your spirit is just in this room and we can just see how you can move. And Lord, we thank you for everything you do for us. Jesus, in my prayer, amen. Well, it is great to be up here today to uh, get to preach to everyone today. But before I get started, I have two young ladies that are going to come up and give a word thing. Thing Okay, so Michaela, did I get it right? Yes. Thank you so
1: much. What would we do without you? It, it is so amazing to have this opportunity to come up here. The fact that our youth group is given the opportunity to come here and serve in all kinds of different ways, from the greeters to the kids up here leading worship to even the people that were wrestling with the little kids while they were up here. It, it's so beautiful to see all the ways we can go out and serve. Because I think a lot of people have the idea that the main ways of serving are speaking or singing and that is so far from the truth all of you have so many gifts and qualities that you can use and so don't put yourself in that box there are so many different kinds of worship if you were a mother in the crowd wrestling with your small child that is a form of worship if you were up here singing and praising or if you were letting the words settle and really listening to what we were saying and that is your form of worship that is just as good they're all valid in god's eyes and what i wanted to talk about today were the provisions that we are given by god because i think we are struggling we struggle as people we get caught up in all the ways we need to provide for ourselves that we can even forget that we are provided for by god and i know this because i i do this I'm going to admit I've gotten caught up in school and work and what I'm going to do for the rest of my life and how I'm going to handle my home now and my home in the future with my family and my kids. <sighs> it is stressful. That was a really loud gust of wind. I'm sorry. But I'm just going to, I'm going to admit it is stressful. But, you know, praise God that we can take that to him and we can have rest in that. Especially because he has a plan for us. And along the way, he is going to give us everything we need in order for that plan to be accomplished. And that is so, it's just so amazing for me. I'm going to be honest, I'm still struggling with these things as I am up here today. But I can say that through, but I can say that through it all, I trust God in it. And I'm just going to, I'm going to get to my verses. I'm going to get to the word. So here in 1 Corinthians, chapter 2, verse 9, it says, As it is written, no eye has seen, no ear has heard, no mind has conceived what God has prepared for those who love him. And so this does mean that God has a divine plan for us, but it also means that not everybody else knows what it is. So that means you're going to look a little weird to some people. That means people are going to put you down for it. But you know what? If I look weird, if I look crazy, if I look stupid even for following God and trusting God and understanding that I have a plan that is bigger than myself or God has a plan that is bigger than me for his purpose, I'm willing to look a little crazy. How does that sound to you guys? Are you willing to look a little, a little off, a little weird? Because people are going to say, you can't go and do this. You won't have the money for it. You don't have the support for it. You can't do it. Well, I'm going to say you can. If it's God's will, you can. And I want you to have that hope today. Because like I said, in the midst of this, I forgot that God did provide for us. I think it was a teacher that told me. You know, Michaela, if you follow God's plan, he is going to give these things to you along the way so you can keep working in it. He's not going to just drop you there and leave you for dead. He's going to work with you. And I don't think we forget that God walks with us and he talks with us, but that also means that these plans that he has, he's going to provide. So no, you don't need to constantly be struggling, struggling thinking about how you're going to provide for yourself, because you're going to be provided for. And now, of course, there's work that we need to put in, but this doesn't need to consume your life. This consumed me for a while, and then I realized, you know what? I'm just going to trust God and see what happens. I'm going to trust God. I'm going to follow what the Bible says and what the Bible teaches. And you know what? That's what I'm going to do. And yeah, I've already, it's already, you know, had some uh, setbacks with people. But you know what? It's worth it. So I think that's my main message. You're going to be provided for. It's going to be okay. You don't need to freak out. And if people are upset with you because you're following God and you're in prayer and you know what he has for you and you're going to trust him and you're going to go with it, So be it. Thank you all for letting me speak today. I have my thank you. I have my wonderful sister Macy that is going to be speaking.
2: Okay, so I'm not as fancy as her, and got her got it wrote down. I have screenshots. We're we're going with it. Okay, she got a little bit of mine too. Wants and desires. We face them, there's worldly, there's godly. The definition of want, it's a verb. To have a desire to possess or do something. It could also mean to wish for. Okay, Everyone know what wants means? We say want almost every day. Like, ooh, I want that sweater. Or, ooh, I want those Kleenexes. But desire is a little bit different, very closely similar though. Desire, a noun. A strong feeling of wanting to have something or wishing for something to happen. So, Rick preached on this the last six weeks. Desire. Or, not desire. Revival. He wants revival to happen in this church and in Christianity as a whole. He wants the Church of America to be revived. But... God's providing everything that he needs for revival. And if he's over here so consumed in all of the worldly stuff, and God's over here providing all of the, the godly stuff that he needs, he's not going to see that over there. But if he is consumed and desires only what God wants, he will only see that and he won't focus on the world. Now here's the middle ground. You want the things of the world, but you want the things of God. It's a terrible place to be. Because if you're trying to keep one eye over here and one eye over here, you're going to go cross-eyed real quick. It ain't going to work out real well. Okay, so let's pull out my Bible verse before I go too far into that. Okay, we have Matthew 6, 21. Wherever your treasure is, there the desires of your heart will be also. Okay. So, you know, we have some pirate's treasure here. If, if you leave, you no, if you leave your treasure over here, where are you going to want to go? Over here, where your treasure's not? Over here, where your treasure is. Now say, we're going to act like I picked this all up, I grabbed too many. Your desire's over here, or your treasure's over here. You're going to want to be over here with your treasure. Therefore, you have to put all your desire... And want into the things of God to be able to see the things of God, and He also said this verse last week, um, John six sixty three. The Spirit alone gives eternal life. Human human effort accomplishes nothing. And the very words I have spoken to you are spirit and life. So, if we go over here, what the world says, it's dead. There is no life. There is no Holy Spirit in it. But if we go over here, there is so much life, and there are so many things to see. Okay. Now I now I just got to pick these up, and I'm I'm gonna be done. <laughs> so thank you guys for listening. It is always a pleasure to get to speak. to you.
0: I know this is my first Modified Youth Sunday since I've been at this church, but you guys realize how special it is to have a service that's ran by teenagers. Yeah. 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 And what those two young ladies said, I don't think I can even top them, so I'm, I'm going to try, but I mean, I might as well just walk off the stage now. You guys did fantastic. Thank you very much. Now I even got gold pieces. So... Let me take a drink, real quick. Are you willing to love? Sounds a little weird, I thought, when I put it up there, but what do we celebrate this week? Valentine's Day. Valentine's Day. So, what do we do on Valentine's Day? Do we buy chocolates? We buy flowers? Make cheesy cards. Make cheesy cards, yeah. Cheesy cards, cards end up making your wife mad. Not saying I've ever done that. Might have bought a 50th anniversary card once uh, because somebody didn't read it. So, that's what I do. So, uh, if anyone knows me, no one should be surprised by that. But, in the NLT Bible, which is the Bible I'm using, The word love is mentioned 759 times. The word hate is mentioned 211 times. So my big question is, why do we see more hate than we see love? We see a lot of hate in the world. We see a lot of hate everywhere. But why is we don't see more love? To me, that's more important. There's something I found out about Scripture in my time of studying, in my time of Understanding what the word says, when a word is mentioned a lot, you might want to pay attention to it. It's, it. it's a key thing, you know. Why is love mentioned 700 times? Probably means it's important. So, let's get into our, let's get into our scripture. We're going to be in John 13, 1-5. I'm going to break it up a little bit. but I'm just letting you guys know where we're at. So, John 13, 1. Before the Passover celebration, Jesus knew his time, sorry, Jesus knew that his hour had come to leave this world and return to the Father. He had loved his disciples during his ministry on earth, and now he loved them till the very end. So this is taking place the day before Jesus' crucifixion. I want that to be very clear. This is taking place the day before. So Jesus knows it's his time to leave this world. So what's he worried about in this moment? His love for his disciples during his ministry. Jesus' ministry, which blows my mind that all this stuff happened in three years. So Jesus' ministry took place over a three-year period with these 12 men. And when he knew it was his time to come, he was like... I gotta show these guys some love. And so in verse 13 2, it was time for supper, and the devil, and the devil had already prompted Judas, Simon, Judas, son of Simon Iscariot, to portray Jesus. So at this time, Judas has already portrayed Jesus. He's, all that stuff has already happened at this moment but in thir- in verse thir- 3 Jesus knew that the father had given him has given him authority over everything and then and that and that had come from sorry Jesus by the way i am dyslexic so like if i like stumble over something i do apologize so i'm going to i'm going to back up and start that over is that cool Okay, okay, sorry about that. Um, Jesus knew that the Father had given him authority over everything and that he had come from God and would return to God. So, if you read through all these three scriptures, it's really showing you it's, it's more complex than when you just like read it. You read it and you go, okay, but if you really start like breaking it apart, Jesus had authority over everything. Period. So he already knows what's going on here. But when we go back up to 1, does it say he loved 11 disciples? Does it? No. It says he loved all of his disciples. It didn't say he loved the 11. He loved all 12. I want that to be very clear. When it says Jesus had authority over everything, it literally, how I understand scripture, it means he had authority over everything. He did not have to go through what he was about to go through. He did not have to spend his last day with these 12 men, showing them love and affection. He did not have to do this. But the more I read scripture, I see that Jesus is the embodiment of love. And that's why, why he came here, to teach us what love is. Because there's no love, more loving act than what Jesus did for us. So, in verses 4 and 5. So he got up from the table and took off his robe. Wrapped a towel around his waist. Poured water into a basin then began to wash the disciples' feet, drying them with a towel around him. So I'm going to break this down a little bit. So when Jesus takes off his robe, so how like their garments were kind of set up, they have like an undergarment, an overgarment, like a sash, and Jerusalem cruisers. That's kind of like was their garment, you know what I mean? So when he took off his outer garment... What this is symbolizing symbolizing is him removing his glory. That is what it's symbolizing. Him removing his glory. And when he wraps the towel around his waist. If you're familiar with the custom. It's an unfortunate custom. But back in that day there were slaves. So the lowliness. I cannot say that word. The lowest of the slaves was the foot washer. So who here is like, feet are great, they smell awesome, I love them. Not many, feet are gross. Especially people like me that were a size 15 hobbit foot. Like, it's not a pretty sight. So the the bottom ranking slave was the one who washed the feet. So Jesus was willing to remove his glory and be the lowliest to clean his disciples' feet. And once again, does it say he washed 11 of their feet? It does not. It said he washed his disciples' feet. And when he poured the water into the basin. So there's 12 dudes there, right? And most likely if you see like, other accounts and look at pictures. There's probably some other people there. It's not just the 12. But there's one in the water. You have to remember, this is the Middle East. There's a lot of sand. It's, it's dusty. These guys aren't walking around in Air Jordans, guys. It's, like I said, Jerusalem cruisers. It's just like sandals, and some of them were barefoot. Were those feet clean? No. They were nasty. Real nasty. <laughs> but, so maybe the water cleaned the first disciples' feet. Maybe the water cleaned the second ones. But after a while, that water just got grosser and grosser. So my grandma always tells me this story. My grandma is one of 13. Thirteen? Okay, I'm going to check with my mom. Um, they have one of those old metal tubs. You had to you know, heat up the water on the stove and dump it in the... I don't know if anyone here had to do that. Um, thank you, Mom and Tony, for not making all eight of us you know, showered in the same tub. Appreciate it. Uh, but they... Uh, so the oldest would go first, and the youngest went last. So what was the youngest doing? Taking a bath in gunky water. So what, how, how did they become clean? She... Was Grandma the youngest? Okay, Grandma was the youngest. So what she had to do was, after she got out of the nasty water, was take the towel and truly clean herself off. So what was Jesus doing? When he got down on his hands and knees, he was taking that filth, taking that dirt onto him. Because the towel was around his waist. And that's how he cleaned everyone's feet off. Like I said, the water probably did part of the work. But after 12 stinky dudes' feet, that water's nasty. And he's really having to get in there with that towel. By the time he's done, that towel is covered in filth. And that just sits here and symbolizes that Jesus was willing to take it all on his shoulders take all of our filth, all of our hatred, all of our negativity, everything we have, he was willing to take that and go, you can move away from that. But the big thing we have to learn from these passages, in my opinion, is he didn't cast Judas out. He still loved him. So here's my question. This is going to be harsh. I'm sorry. I tried to make this sound nicer and it just didn't work. (laughs) But my question is, who is your Judas? Is it a person? Is it a type of person? Is it a group of people? I don't know. It might be a family member. Who knows? But my question is, do you pray for those people daily? In love? Do you pray for them? Do you... Take time out of your day to the people that make you uncomfortable and go, Lord, why do they make me uncomfortable? Is this, am I uncomfortable because I am not serving you in this and not showing people your love and generosity? Is that why it makes me so uncomfortable? To those people that you have in your life, or however you want to see it, what would happen to them if you went, okay, how would Jesus love them? I'm going to do exactly the same. How would that change? Imagine how that would change your relationships with people. I'm not going to say names, but for me, I, studying through this passage, studying through this, I was like, all right, Jake, I know you have somebody. That you're struggling with in an issue and I sat there and I prayed about it and I did and this person has been in my life for the majority of my life and they got into a bunch of trouble and their life just went down the tube and they got their life back on track but for some reason I just couldn't give it up I just couldn't go okay they're back on track now. Why can't I just allow them back into my life? And God really has worked on me on this because I'm like, Jesus loves that person. Why can't I love that person? Because what this person did wasn't fantastic. It wasn't great. It is the kind of thing most of us would go, okay, I'm, I'm out. But what would Jesus do? Jesus would get down on his knees And pray with that person and show them the love and compassion that we are supposed to be given. So how do we truly do this? In John 3.30 it says, He must become greater and greater and I must become less and less. Number one, we have to humble ourselves. I know a lot of us don't want to hear that. And I'm not talking about us guys or and girls that are just real boastful, and be like yeah, we're good at this. You know, we have we have athletes in here, right? You know, athletes get pumped up and they get like super excited and like, you know, on, when they get on the court, like they have this like arrogance about them. But someone told me it was like part of the game. You know, it was part of it. But there are certain things for these things to happen. Like this person in my life, I had to humble myself to go, okay, I can let that go. I held on to this for years. And I had to go, okay, God, it's yours. It's all yours. I had to humble myself. I had a friend send me this. I don't know if it's the title of a book or something, but I was talking to him about this message a little bit. And he sent me this in a text message that said, make sure... Your servant's towel is bigger than your ego. It's, like I said, it's a harsh word, but he sent me that and he, he's referring to Jesus and his love and what he did. We have to let our ego go and put that servant's towel on us. So a few weeks ago, there was this thing on TV. I'm not going to say what it was. I'm not going to say it was great, because it wasn't. But my question was, who prayed for those people? Who prayed for God? Hopefully they would see God's love and God's light. And here's my second question. Who was so mad about what happened on TV a few weeks ago where they forgot to pray for the people in Turkey the next day? When churches fell, 11,000 people died. But they were so angry about something negative they'd seen on TV, they forgot to love. We all do it. I know that's a harsh word, but I, I didn't see a lot of people praying for those people. I know some people did, and thank you for that. But in 1 John 4.19 it says we love each other because he loved us first. And that's the big thing to remember when we are with people. We are commanded to love. We are. We are commanded. Because if we're going to be followers of Jesus that is what we're supposed to do. Because here's the beauty of loving others. If we show people love, show them our Christian love, God will start working. Sometimes that's all it takes. Sometimes it's like lighting a match and putting it on the fuse. And sometimes all it takes is you to be kind. I don't know why that's so difficult for some people. So that's what we're commanded to do, is to be kind. So in verses 14 and 15. And since I, the Lord, your teacher, washed your feet, you ought to wash each other's feet. I have given you the example to follow. Do as I have done. Have the worship team come back up, please. So the thing is, when we're remembering this in verses 14 and 15, as we go into our time um, of worship and prayer, Jesus commands us to do as he has done. And yes, will that make us uncomfortable? Yes. Will that be unsettling to some of us? Yes. But but the church as a whole, the church as a whole is supposed to be a hospital for broken people. It's supposed to be here for healing. That's why we're here. To show love and compassion to people who don't ever feel love and compassion. That's why we exist as Christians. If we're not willing to do that, if we truly want to see God move in miraculous ways, we have to put our egos aside. And we really have to work in what God has called us to do. Lord, I just thank you for allowing this day to happen, Lord. This has been a blessing to be a part of this church and be a part of this youth group. And it's a blessing to serve with everyone here. And Lord, I pray that if we have anything that is, if we have something blocking us, if we have that person, if we have that thing that is keeping us from loving them, Lord, I pray, Lord, those walls will come down today. I truly believe if we need to see want to see God move we have to love people and Lord I just thank you for this time today Jesus and I pray Modified youth and Jake bringing that message, and Michaela and Macy today. All of our greeters and ushers, it's always a great day when we have Modified Youth Sunday. Appreciate that word Jake brought about are you willing to love? A lot of times, our first instinct when somebody does us wrong is to do wrong back to them. That's a big no no as a believer. It's really a test of your faith. Will you love in the middle of that? That'll speak to somebody's heart more than you screaming at them about something they did. Amen.